everyone. Uh, welcome to the second class of Wise Women in Tanakh, in the Prophet books. Um, today we're going to focus on one specific woman, extremely interesting. And let me share the sources that I've sent you. Um, and we're going to talk today about the wise woman of Tekoa. Now that we have in the book of Samuel, we have three women who are called wise. Two of them anonymous, we will learn about the both. And the other one is known by her name, Ab Abigail, Abigail. Uh, we're not going to learn about Abigail, but we're going to learn about those two women. And we're going to start with the wise woman of Tekoa. Now, when we're talking about the book of Samuel, the second book of Samuel in chapter uh, uh, 12, I just want us to understand the, the, the circumstances. Where are we at? And we're at the, at, the, at, the, um, at the time of the reign of King David, after uh, the story with Bathsheba. And from that point where David Melech, King David was on the peak of his reign, uh, after the, the incident or the sin as the, as the prophet itself, Nathan told him, there's a downfall from there. And very horrible personal things are happening to King David, to David the Melech. Um, and the chapter 14 happens after the horrible story where Amnon, David's son, rapes Tamar, David's daughter, and her brother from the same mother, Absalom, uh, is, uh, is, is killing him, you know, to revenge the honor of his sister. And what happens to King David after that is that King David fell into um, some kind of a, of, of a sadness and a paral par paralyzing, and he wasn't functioning as a king. And his, um, his general, Yoav ben Tzuya, uh, understands that if we're not going to do something about David's well-being and uh, um, uh, this, this is going to have uh, a very significant in, uh, impact on, on, the, on the situation of the entire kingdom of, uh, of Israel. Now, what happened was that Absalom ran away from the kinship and found shelter with his family from his mother's side who were uh, in, uh, in Ma'acha. And, uh, um, uh, and, and, and for that, and, and um, Yoav ben Tzuya understands that as long as Avshalom is going to be far away from David, and David will be sad for everything that happened, from the, for, for what happened to Tamar, his daughter, for what happened to his, his murdered son, Amnon, and that his, his, you know, his loved son, Avshalom, uh, is, uh, is a killer. And he's far away from him. If 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 David, you have understand that if David is not going to accept of Shalom back to Yerushalayim, meaning that everything in in David's mind will be in peace, and he'll even will have the ability to forgive of Shalom, not personally, but just for the for the benefit of the kin of the kingdom. So the kingdom will will be able to uh, to proceed with a strong king, um, and as long as Absalom is away, King David is split between his duty to his people and the duty and what he feels towards um, towards Absalom. 
And I also should add that the, that David, it says so explicitly in the book of Shmuel that uh, the King David, David really loved Avshalom. Um, and I, I'm, this is not our topic, so I'm, I'm going to leave that aside, why he loved Avshalom. But we start the chapter with, 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 uh, with, the, with the prophet telling us that Yoav of Tzuya could see that kings could see the king's mind was on Absalom. Yet David's mind was occupied or preoccupied and busy thinking about his fleeing son. And, and Yoav doesn't know what to do. Now, Yoav was one of the wisest people surrounding King David. And as being one of, as being one of the, the best generals that the, the ancient army of Israel ever had, and always looking for the for the good of King David till a certain point. Um, and Yoav also knew everyone in Israel. And the king the, and the people of Israel had many, many wise men. And in a way, we would have expect that if Yoav is looking and searching for an advice or help what to do with King David, he would approach a man. A wise man, an old man, uh, maybe someone from you know, maybe someone from the families of a prophet, but from all people available, Yoav is sending to a woman, and the words of the katub, the words of the of the verse of the of the navi, is very very clear. So Yoav sent to Tekoa and brought a clever woman from there. Now. When when Yoav, when the when the pasuk is telling us that Yoav is sending to Tekoa, now we know where Tekoa is. Tekoa is the the ancient Tekoa is actually very close to where Tekoa of today is at the at the mountains of of Gush Etzion, behind any any one of you who knows behind the mountains of of the city of the great city of Ephrat. Uh, so we're talking about an area of Judea. That's the Judea area of settlement. And Yoav is sending there to, to bring from there a clever woman, Isha Now, it's very clear from here that this woman was known to the public as a clever woman. And, and Yoav heard about her. And he sends to her for, for an, to bring her, for, to ask her for advice. Now I want us to look at that because first of all, there's no there's no personal name. We don't know her name, but the title is the a clever woman or a wise woman, and Yoav feels that she is the one to approach um, to have some to help him help you help David, you know, set up the situation to, uh, with with Absalom. Now why why Dafka? Why specifically a woman? Is it because it's a matter of the heart, you know, between a, between a, a father and a son? Is it because it needs, is it because he has to deal with King David, who is very smart, and it's very hard to outsmart King David, and therefore he needs somebody that he knows is witty enough and creative enough to, uh, uh, to be able to, to help him with, a, uh, um, with his plan to bring to bring David back from uh, um, from his uh, you know his mourning mur over Amnon and Absalom, 
And Yoav is sending to see that woman and he tells her and he said to her, pretend you are in mourning, but on mourning clothes, uh, put on mourning clothes and don't anoint yourself with oil and act like a woman who has grieved a long time over a departed one. So I think we have to we, we have to pay attention to the fact that at least from here it seems that he doesn't need a he doesn't need any wise person, a man or a woman, because if you have if you have already have the plan of what to do or what to tell David or how to do, you know, the persuasive of David, why would you bring a person who why would you bring a wise woman or a man? You just need a good actor you know, that can act the role that he wants them to act. We will see later on that Yoav himself was very clever because he understands that it's not only that you have to be a good actor to put on the act of, you know, uh, 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 make yourself like you're grieving for a long time over a departed one uh, and don't do all the act of, of uh, and, and, you know, don't, um, uh, um, um, put on uh, uh, morning, morning clothes, um, it's not enough. Because the minute she's going to face King David and she's going to do it alone, she has to be wise enough to approach and to answer David's questions, which surely will come. But not only does she have to be wise, she also have to be very brave. And wisdom and bravery in, in Tanakh seems to come together. Because if you're brave, but you don't have any wits, so sometimes your bravery or your, your power is not, gonna, is not gonna be enough. But in, if, you, if you're wise and not, not brave, it's not gonna help you move on in life. So the combination between being wise and clever and also being very brave, just imagine he's sending her to, to go to the king pretending she's mourning and pretending she's in Eva, she's in grief. And even though he will tell her what to say, at real time, it's going to be her facing King David and, and, and needing to find the words to address any question, any hard question that he will, uh, he will appoint to her. So, so he tells her to dress up and then he says, go to the king and say to him, thus and thus. And Yoav told her what to say. Okay, he put words into her mouth. That's the exact literary translation from the Hebrew that Yoav samet advarim befia. He put the words into her mouth. But he doesn't tell us what he told her. And I think this is the, um, this is the way of the writer, of the prophet to tell us that regardless to the words that you have told the woman to say, it doesn't matter. Because at real time, when she stands there, she could either be frightened and, and mute and won't be able to say a word, or she'll be using those words, but she will um, illustrate and compose sentences and ideas as she understood from what you have meant for her to say. And it's very, very clear here that he tells her, that the Pasuk tells us that he tell, tell, told her, say to him this and this, and he put the words in her mouth, but we don't know about what words he told her to say. And 
I divided the, uh, the, the old chapter to, to parts. So we'll, we'll see that there are different scenes of that, of that story of, this, of the wise woman who, uh, whom her um, task, her goal, her mission is to help King David understand that he can't keep on you know, filling story for Absalom being away and Amnon dead, being dead, and he has to continue to rule the, the kingdom. Um, so we find the woman by the king, and the woman of Tekoa said to the king, flung herself face down to the ground and, prost and, prost and, and prostrated herself. She cried out, help, O king. Okay, now I remind this again, we don't know what to have told her exactly what to say and what to do, but she understand the, the she understand the idea and she choose to act the way she does. She comes to the king and of course she has to fall on her face because it's the king, but she's also say help. In other words, my approach to you, my king, is a poor woman who is seeking for help and who is best to help me other than the king, Amelech David. And exactly that's David's answer. The king asked her, what troubles you? And she answered, alas, I'm a widow. My husband is dead. Okay, so she gives him the title. I'm a widow. My husband is dead. Okay, and what else? And then she says, your maidservant had two sons. The two of them came to blows out in the to blows out in the field where there was no one to stop them. And one of them struck the other and killed him. Now, I want us to focus on that. And if it sounds familiar from Sefer Bereshit, the story of Cain and, and Abel, you are right and we'll see it in a minute. But the story she's She's drawing in front of David, and I find it striking. If you have only told her, David is depressed, David is sad, we have to bring him out of his misery about his son so he can continue to rule. We can't have a paralyzed uh, kingdom. And she made up the story and she decided what to tell him. That's amazing. But even if he did tell her what to do and she's able to stand straight in front of King David and say that, that's also amazing. And she says, I'm a widow. I had two sons. And one of them in the field killed the other. They were fighting and there was no one there to stop them. And one killed the other. Now, let's make let's pay attention to the fact that she doesn't say that one was evil and one was good she doesn't say that one was strong and one was weak they were they were at the same level kind of speak and they were fighting and the fact that one killed another it was just a chance wasn't it because it very much could be that the other one would kill the first one so but what happened is that she ended up with one dead son and another son that killed the brother now 
if we um, uh, if we ask ourselves, okay, so what is her question? What is her question? Then she asks, and then she says, the whole clan, the whole clan confronted your maidservant and said, hand over the one who killed his brother, that we may put him to death for the slaying of his brother. Even though we wipe out the air, that they would quench the last ember meaning, um, uh, remaining to me and leave my husband without name or remnant upon the earth. Now she's saying the problem. And the, pro the, the problem is, she says, that her family, maybe better saying her husband's family, asking her to give over the killing son so they will kill him. But if they will kill also the other one, I would be left alone in the world. And more so, my husband will be left without a name in his, rem in, in his remnant. So the picture, the tragedy, really, that she, that she pictures, that she, she paints in front of David's eyes is a horrible one. But I remind us that really what she wants him to do is to reflect his situation. Because what happened to David is he had two sons who fought and one killed the other. The difference, the big difference between her story and David's story is that Avshalom killed Amnon for raping his sister. He sinned, Amnon sinned. That's why Avshalom killed him. But she's, the, and I think we, we need to know that it's very common in Tanakh that when someone is giving a parable or a metaphor, very often it's not exactly like the situation wanting to refer to. It's a little bit far away from it. It's one step away from it. In psychology, we call it, 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 I don't know how to say it in English, but in psychology, it's also a method of hazara, a little bit bringing it far away. So you can find yourself in the parable, but not exactly. So you can take a step back and look at it and, and understand it. And maybe from that, you'll be able to reflect over your own story. So that's the story she's telling him. Now, as I said before, we can't, we cannot hear the story of Cain and Abel, Abel in, in her story. There are two brothers on the field, you know, um, and uh, there's two, two stories on the field. They're both fighting. No one's there. And one kills and one kills the other. And, and I brought you the, the, the verses in Bereshit that we can hear how similar it is and how maybe intentional that is. And the story is in, 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 uh, in, in Genesis, we hear, and Cain said to his brother Abel, Ken, uh, come uh, and, you know, don't, don't look at that because this is from the Midrash. I'm just going to erase it and, and just want to look at the words of the Torah. And Cain said to his brother Abel, and when they were in the field, Cain set upon his brother Abel and killed him, right? We don't know what happened here between Cain say to Abel, right? It's the famous question, what did he tell him? 
Cain said to his brother Abel, what? The Torah doesn't tell us. He just said that Cain approached Abel. And then when they were alone in the field, Cain killed Abel. When God is approaching Abel, God is approaching Cain and is punishing him. Cain's words to God, you know, why wow, you gave me such a hard punishment. Also, Cain's words to God uh, um, it, it evoked, um, is re reminding us the words that the wise woman used. And Cain is telling God, since you have banished me this day from the soil, and I must avoid your presence and become a restless wanderer on earth, anyone who meets me, who meets me may kill me. And when Ken say, says, you banished me this day from the soil, Ken it's very similar to what she's telling David, there's no one left for me upon the earth. So the situation is very, is very similar. Of course, there are differences. Of course, there are differences between the story of, uh, of Cain and Abel and the story of what this woman is telling, um, uh, the wise woman is telling, uh, is telling uh, David. Um, but nevertheless, nevertheless, there's, there's, there's a, a, maybe, maybe what she's trying to tell him that in that situation, the way, the same way that in Cain and Abel, God was the judge. Maybe David needs to let go and let God decide what to be, what to do, what to do with, uh, with Avshalom, you know, and not, you know, take it upon, take it upon himself. So, um, so again, in, even though there are differences, as I said, you know, um, Avshalom killed Amnon for, for doing something horrible, for, uh, for sinning, there is still, um, um, there's still a similarity in that. And when the woman says that her husband's family wants to revenge the death of her son, they're not taking into account that then she will lose both her sons. And then she will have nothing, her husband will have nothing. In other words, she's turning to King David as a judge to help her stop the family from killing her other son. Okay, now let's see what, what, what's happening next. David is approaching the woman and says, the king said to the woman, go home, I will issue an order in your behalf. Now, what does that mean? That means I heard you, I'll think about it. You should go home, I don't have time for you. Or King David is saying, fine, I'll, I'll send a message saying, you know, you shouldn't kill the son, the other son. But what's not in here? What's not in here is, first of all, paying attention, have some uh, empathy for her situation or understanding the difficulty of her situation. Now, okay, he's very busy. He's the king. He's also the judge. He's very, very occupied, preoccupied with worrying about Avshalom and all the family situation. And he can't take upon himself the trouble, maybe, and the tragedy of this specific woman. And he's telling her, fine, I heard you. I'll, I'll send, you know, I'll, I'll issue an order in your behalf. 
that should be the end of the story. She could have said, I did what you have told me to do. I got a response from David and I can go home back to Tkoa. It's here when we, when we understand that the woman takes the role that you have put on her and she wants to finish it at the best way. Maybe also I would want to add, maybe when she stands in front of King David, telling the so-called her story, her pretend story, watching King David in his grief, looking into his eyes and seeing his sadness, maybe she's also being um, um, her, her, the, 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 the pretend or the task or the issue or the mission that you have put upon her. Maybe she start taking it personally or as a personal, you know, quest to help King David come out of this, of, of this misery because she persists. She does, she doesn't go home because the second part says she's very, and that's where she, that's where she's very, we see her bravery. She doesn't go, she doesn't move. She stands in her foot and she says, and the woman of Tkwa said to the king, my Lord King, may the guilt be on me and on my ancestral house. Your majesty and his throne are guiltless. Now, what is she telling him? She's saying, you know, every sin is upon me. Yeah, and, and you and your, and your throne are guiltless. What does that have to do with anything? She stops talking about her story and she's, move, she's, she's um, moving her sight or intention and she's directing her words to King David's situation. Now, um, Rashi, as I brought you here, Rashi is saying, uh, it's, it's too harsh to say that she's talking about you know, she's saying, you know, I'm taking all the sin and you are not, and your, your house is, is, is not, is guiltless. And Rashi is saying she put question mark at the end. In other words, she says, are you, you're, um, um, you're giving me a solution to my house, but what about your house? Your majesty and his throne are guiltless? In other words, it's a question mark, says Rashi. She's asking David to switch the picture and to look at himself and ask himself, is he also guiltless for maybe doing something similar to why the so-called family of her husband wanted to do to her other, to, to her other child? Because if David is not going to forgive of Shalom, then it's as if he lost two children at the same time. He also already lost of Amnon, and he is acting like he doesn't want to see it, and he's not seeing of Shalom, and it's as going it, and it's as if he lost two sons. So, as you saying, she put a question mark. And the king, being very wise, telling her, and the king said, if anyone says anything more to you, have him brought to me, and he will never trouble you again. He's like, he understands and not understands. He gets the hint that doesn't get the hint. But definitely acts 
and responds as if he doesn't want to understand. And he says, okay, maybe she, maybe she wants to tell me that there's more to that and she's in danger. And he says, anyone who bothers you, I'm with you, right? I, I would even say that this time he is um, giving her the empathy and paying attention to the tone of her words more than he did with the first, when the sentence when he said, okay, go home and I'll take care of your, of your, of everything. This time he's saying, okay, I heard you. I know you're in trouble. I will make sure no one will trouble you. And again, that was an, that was a, 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 um, a mark or, or a time for her to understand that he says, I understand, I need to go. I have more things to think about. Goodbye, go back to your home. That's what is expected from her at this point. But nevertheless, she doesn't move. And at the third part, this, our, our wise woman is, um, is becoming braver and braver. And before um, before we we uh, before we read the the third the third part, um, I, I want to say I, I want to say something in general. So before we before we move on, um, again trying to think, why did Yoav choose a woman? And there are many many answers for that. Most most commentators are saying that if a man would come and say the same things, David would have not trust him to say the truth, because a man has uh, again according to these to these commentators, uh, and maybe that's you know in terms of the the time we're talking about the period of of history that we're talking about. They said men are are you know. They wouldn't, if they had two children were fighting and one killed the other, they would have no mercy on the other child. And what you have wanted to uh, emphasize is the parently feeling of a parent who lost one child and it doesn't, she doesn't want to lose the other child. Now, even now, let's say that your Av did bring a woman because that same you know, uh, sadness or empathy uh, wouldn't have come out in the words of a man. But she's talking to King David. And I think that's amazing to think that Yoav understands. Maybe Yoav is, even though Yoav and David didn't finish on the, on the right turn and, uh, tone and, and uh, at the end of, of Yoav's life, David is uh, very upset with him. But Yoav knew King David, I think, almost, you know, almost the, the, uh, for most people around King David, he really, really knew the, the king. And King David wasn't only a warrior, he was also a poet. And he had a very, very delicate soul. And I think that Yoav knew that the only person who wouldn't be embarrassed to talk about emotions in front of King David and actually relate to that emotions of this part, this, this creative and gentle part of King David is, 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 is a woman. 
and his and because he knows she's wise and that's why um she can uh, um um he can tell her to uh um to come and say that and and she's so far she's doing it very eloquently and she's not you know she doesn't back out if, even when the is telling her okay you can go home she doesn't back off she's staying there she stays put and she continues to you know to to bring and to create you know into wider widen the um uh the story um and uh and even referring and giving hints directly directly to him um and and even if he, when he says okay i will make sure no one will trouble you um she persists and she doesn't take it as a as a as an end of the conversation she's looking for something else She's looking to hear something else from um, uh, from King uh, uh, from the King, and let's see what does she uh, what is she waiting for? And she's not that she thinks it's not enough that he tells her that uh, I'll make sure no one will bother you again. And she continues and she sang and she replied, "Let your Majesty be be mindful." of the Lord your God. That's also very, very, you know, courageous to say to the king. She's like, you know, please remember something that God told us. Can let your majesty be mindful of the Lord your God and restrain the blood avengers bent on destruction so that my son may not be killed. And he said, as the Lord lives, not a hair of your son shall fall to the ground. In other words, what she was waiting for is for him to swear to her. In other words, she's asking, you know, please, I need, I need to hear that you're absolutely devoted to that. I need you to understand that if you're not going to help me and protect my son, he is going to die, but I need to hear that you swear to me in the name of God. And King David is swearing to her in the name of God, in the name of God, that not a hair of your son shall fall to the ground. Okay, now she should be satisfied and go home. She got the swear. She, needs, she, she did what she was told to do, you know, just tried to make him think about the situation from a different angle. The angle of why would you lose two sons in the same time? But no, she doesn't go home. She persists. She keeps talking to King David. Now, it is a little bit similar, and, and I think uh, it's something worth thinking about. There are motives. In the stories of women in the Bible, women that in, that involved with with stories, like not with just mentioning over of their name or mentioning them as the mother of a king, but actually have a story. There's a pattern, I believe, that 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 that, that consists in many of those stories about women. And whenever they're engaged in a conversation knowing that they have an aim in their mind, 
they don't leave, they don't leave till they hear that the other side accept what they meant to say. We can see it with Sarah and Avraham. We can see it with Rivka and Yaakov. We can see it with Miriam and the daughter of Pharaoh. We can see it with Abigail, the other wise woman here. We can even see it with Rahab, you know, with her negotiation with the, the Israelites about, you know, entering Jericho. When women are engaged in, in a conversation, in a, in a discourse, in a dialogue with another person, most mainly a man who is sometimes in a higher position or, you know, has some, some authority, they don't give up. And they stay in the conversation very bravely, fearlessly even, I would say, till they get what they need. They see for far. They see where they need to get. The same thing we can say about Queen Esther. When Esther, at the moment she wears kindomship, as the Pasuk says, and she stands in front of the king, she knows the goal, she knows the aim, and she's going all the way. And she keeps talking, not afraid of the, of, the, of the ramifications. The same thing we have here with our dear woman. And that's that the king has sworn in the name of God that the hair of her son is, is not going to fall on the ground. She doesn't leave. And she's staying. And she's saying, and I would read the Hebrew. And then I read the English because it's it, I need I, you need to hear because she says Now I want to suggest that the tone of this sentence is different than her tone in the rest of her words beforehand. I think the change, the shift of the situation for this wise woman in King David is in this verse. And I, and I want to suggest that at this point, she's no longer the, um, um, the messenger of Yoav, the messenger of the general, you know, um, making, pretending to say something, you know, which is not true, but understanding that this is what needs to be done. I want to suggest that this sentence hints and refer to us that she starts to feel King David's pain. And this is the verse where she starts to take it personally. And she's not there anymore as the messenger of Yoav. She is there as a wise woman, maybe a mother, maybe a wife, maybe a grandmother. But a wise woman was standing in front of a broken person and she doesn't look at a king. She looks at a father who had tragedy in his life. He lost his son. His daughter was hurt badly. And another son is going away, you know, to, to, to his, to his non-Jewish family. And now she's asking him for permission to talk. And I, 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 I strongly hear in this sentence 
that she lowers her voice and she speaks very softly. Then the woman said, please, let your maidservant say another word to my lord, the king. Now at this point, King David could have said, I gave you enough time. My schedule is tight. Goodbye. But she caught him in her tone. She caught him in, in her plea to say something else. And the sensitive King David understand that there's something else. And he's saying one word, you know, in Hebrew, it's one word. Speak on. Okay, let's hear what, what is it that you want to tell me? And now, she's not continuing with a parable and the story and the made-up story. She's looking straight at David's eyes and she's saying, and the woman said, why then have you planned to like against God's people in making this pronouncement? Your majesty condemns himself in that your majesty does not bring back his own banished one. Wow. So much bravery and so eloquently said. She's saying, King David, do you understand that by not bringing back your banished son of Shalom, you are punishing the entire people of God? Because we are all looking up to you. We need you to be strong. We need you to be stable. It's, it's, it's as even she said, it's even as she says, it's not like you to, to, to act like that. We know you, we know we love you love us. Why, why are you not paying attention to the verification of what you're doing with Avshalom? Why then have you planned the like against God's people? In making this pronouncement, your majesty condemns himself in that your majesty does not bring back his own banished one. You're punishing us and you're punishing yourself. And then she says something that um, all the commentators are finding very difficult to understand. And before we read the English, I want to say about that, that the, the nicest um, understanding that I found about this verse is that specific, specifically because she started to speak from her own heart, putting aside the act you had to put, like Yoav told her, and she was there herself, you know, with her own wit and her own wisdom and cleverness. But she knows she's saying something not easy. It's not easy to tell the king, you know, get yourself together and understand that what you're doing, you know, affects not only you, but also the rest of the people. And she stumbles. And even though she's very clever and very wise, she's, 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 she's moved, she's excited. 
and 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 her, maybe the words come out of her mouth not not the way she would like them to come out but she trusts king david to understand and the second thing after she told him you know uh, about um, punishing himself and punishing the people she says we must all die we are like water that is poured out on the ground and cannot be gathered up okay there's the meaning here can in, in the hebrew and uh it says i left it so you can see the meaning of the hebrew is uncertain the apparent sense is god will not punish you from bringing back the banished of shalom god will not take away the life of of one who makes plans so that no one may kept banished in other words she's telling king david you know you should have trust in god that you trusted for for you know for the rest of for all of all over your, all your life up till this point says says the wise woman you trusted god to help you do the right thing and if you are afraid that by bringing Absalom back you're supporting his his killing of his brother or you're causing some chaos in the kinship no god will not punish you now how does she know that god will not punish him and I want to suggest that not only your absent to this specific woman who was very clever, because it's not enough to be clever and it's not enough to be um, uh, brave. You also have to have a fear of God in the, in the good sense, like a strong belief in, in the ways of God. And here i would say she finds herself acting like the like the prophet god and the prophet nathan were doing with king david being some moral support but she gives more than moral support she gives him a way out and telling him you know we don't know we, we cannot always understand god's acting we need to take care and take we need to be responsible for our own deeds ring of shalom you can tell him that you're not that you're upset with him and maybe even understand in a way what he did or maybe be upset because you should have judged amnon for what he did and not of shalom by by killing amnon but you should not worry about bringing of shalom back and you should also trust God that he will not kill of Shalom. If that's what's bothering you. And she move on to say, And the reason I have come to say these things to the king, my Lord, is that the people have frightened me. Your maidservant would uh, your maidservant thought I would uh, uh, thought I would speak to your majesty perhaps your majesty would act on his on his handmade handmaid's plea so she's not putting an act anymore she's there as who she is she understand at a certain point 
that the plan to lie to the king is not going to work. He's going to find out. And she can't. The minute she stood in front of him, a person to person, and she felt his sorrow, she understood by herself without you, Ab, because the Ab was planning the pretend story. And she understand that the strongest thing that she could do, the wisest thing that she could do, and maybe that's something a man wouldn't have done, because maybe a man messenger would do exactly as you have told him, and that's it. But she wanted not just to solve the problem of the people, which was the mean of, of Yoav. She also wants some comfort for King David. And she and then she and, and she opens herself and she says, I came to speak to the king. I speak, I came to speak to the king. And I know. The English here says that the people have frightened me, but the Hebrew can also say, ha'am, can also mean that everyone's looking at me. The people are looking at me. In other words, she says, King David, I stand here in front of you as a representative of the entire Jewish people, Hebrew people. And I'm here telling you we care about you. We care about the people. Please try to help yourself and do the right thing for the people of Israel and for yourself. And she said, I came to speak to you. Maybe, maybe, perhaps your majesty would act on your huntsman, on your handmaid's plea. Maybe you would listen to me. Very open. Everything's on the table. She's not pretending anymore. Very direct. And here is a surprising sentence because then she goes back to the story. For your majesty would surely agree to deliver his handmaid from the hands of anyone who would seek to cut off both me and my son from the heritage of God. And I would suggest that she went back to talk about this, this story which we felt she neglected just to give it a frame, you know, remember King David, that what I'm talking about is as, as I wouldn't have wanted to lose my two children in the same time, and I came to you for help, maybe you would listen to me in my pretend story and help yourself. And then she uh, moves on and she says, your maidservant, thought let the lord let the word of my lord the king provide comfort for my lord the king is like an angel of god understanding everything good and bad may the lord your god be with you she ends with a blessing she says i know i understand you understand i know you know you're like the you, you you're you know you're like a um like a, uh like an angel of god and i know you you know what's good and what's bad you understand everything you understand what i wanted to tell you you understand what i'm hinting for and she ends up with a blessing may the lord your god be with you and then 
King David gets it all the way. He understands. And then the king says in, the, in reply, and the king said to the woman, do not withhold from me anything I ask you. And the, the woman asked, answered, let my lord, the king, speak. speak. And, he, and he says, and the king asked, is Job, Yoav, in league with you in all this? And the woman replied, as you live, my lord, the king. In other words, yes, it is. It is just as my lord, the king, says. Yes, your servant, Yoav, was the one who instructed, instructed me. And it was he who told your maidservants everything she was to say. And then she adds, it was to conceal the real purpose of the matter that your servant, Yoav, did this morning. My Lord is as wise as an angel of God, and he knows all that goes in the land. That's the end of her words. She says, I know you understand, and he got it, and he even knew exactly who sent her to talk to him, and it worked. And the king tells Yoav, and then the king said to Yoav, I will do this thing. Go and bring back my boy Avshalom. And the end of the story is that Yoav brings back uh, um, Avshalom. Now, I, I want to, before we end, there's something very important that, that we need um, that we need to say that even though as, as we started that there's differences between Cain and Abel, David gets it that even though it sounds like it's different because Amnon was a sinner and Avshalom also killed without court and he ignores that and he's willing to bring back uh, to bring back Avshalom. And it seems like the wise woman from Tekoa helped assisted David to, to, um, um, to decide in this, in this inner battle that he was in, his personal battle, you know, his, his personal feelings towards his son, you know, with all the mercy that he feels and maybe even supporting him uh, um, for what he did because his other son raped Tamar but also his moral duty that he feels he has for the people and for, the, for his kinship. So he climbed, according to Yoav, but he climbed this ladder that he's saying, you know, ugh, you know, I, I don't know what to do. I don't know if to bring Avshalom back and have be, be in peace with that or continue to be upset with Avshalom because, you know, because he did, some, did something horrible by, you know, taking the decision to his hands and killing uh, and, and murdering Amnon. And what the woman is giving David is a ladder to climb down from, you know, to come climb down from this moral debate that he has since Avshalom flee to Gshor. But we have to also say something different, some, something else, which is very, very delicate in, in, this, in this situation. The woman herself, was very wise and she did her role perfectly. But it will end up being 
that bringing of shalom back to Yerushalayim is going to be to have a horrible ending. And it seems like Yoav's intention was, was good. The woman's intention was good. David got what he what he wanted to, you know, to a, a reason to bring back of Shalom. But as we know, David paid a very high price uh, for bringing back um, bringing back of Shalom to Yerushalayim because it ended up that of Shalom rebelled against King David, slept with his uh, con concubines, and and started the 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 bad the the rebellion that at the end he was killed um you know uh, where and david had to and he became a king instead of david and david had to fly to to run away and Shalom uh end up dying so the bottom line i think of the story is that yes indeed it, she was a wise woman but maybe in a way she was used by your um, to do something that he didn't have the guts to do and the courage to just stand in front of David and, and it didn't help him. Like, however, however times he told David, bring Absalom back. But in a way, um, her, her witness, her, her, her wittiness, her, her chokhmah, her, her cleverness that helped David decide to bring Absalom back, the bottom line was uh, it wasn't for the best. But it's discon we're disconnecting it from from the act of what she was doing very, very sensitively of how she addressed King David and 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 comparing the situation to Cain and Abel and saying how she she feels for him, for uh, for being in such a you know such a personal you know tragedy uh, in his family. Um, the next the, the woman we're going to learn about next week. Is going to be the woman from Avel Beit Ma'acha, and her story is also in uh, Samuel sec in 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 Shmuel Bet Samuel second in chapter twenty, and there we will hear about again another anonymous woman woman we don't know her name, and she with her act is saving an entire city from being banished by the same Yoav that we met uh, met today so thank you very much for your listening and um i wish you all the best and see you next week <laughs>